You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. We'll talk about the NFL now. I'm going to wait till Fitz is around to celebrate my team's big win. It's always more fun to make Fitz feel terrible about the Raiders when we can also celebrate Stash's Chiefs being great, my Red Stars making it to the championship. And again, the Bears did not lose this weekend, which is the first time in five weeks that they didn't. Speaking of embarrassing, here's one thing I know about the NFL. The Jets are embarrassing. Honestly, I was driving around running some errands, listening to Greeny today, and it felt like a therapy session. And I need to send Bamani Jones over there because Bamani says eventually you got to get off the narcotic. If your team is so bad to you that, that, that there's no end in sight, that, that every day is a misery, you just got to kick it. And I would never advise giving up on your team. I've had plenty of teams that have treated me poorly and in the end I've stuck around. But man, the Jets are embarrassing. They have given up 175 points in their last four games. Yeah, just four games, 175 points, second most allowed in a four-game span by any team since the merger in 1970. Rex Ryan was on today with Greeny. There was a lot of talk from Rex Ryan today about Robert Sal, about these Jets. He's a guy who was there and he knows. And he pointed out that when he was coaching with the Ravens in 2000, that team gave up 165 points in the entire season. The Jets have allowed more points in the last four games than the 2000 Ravens did an entire 16-game season. It's brutal. And you can't be bad like this for so long. You have to build on picks. And I know Zach Wilson is out, but she even botched that. He got hurt. He's going to sit for a bit. Okay, fine. But we don't need to pump up Mike White at the expense of Zach Wilson. You don't have to call out Zach Wilson. He seems to be the only one who's being held accountable for anything over there. You have to get better. It can't be this long of a streak of being embarrassing. And I feel bad because Jets fans come in every year with some hope, especially because they're always getting high enough draft picks to think somebody can turn things around. It's it's um, It's been rough. Here's, what, here's a little bit of what Greeny sounded like. I'm embarrassed because they don't seem to be. I've never seen a collection of people who have more to be ashamed of seem less upset about it. Robert Sala seems have to have no inkling of how terrible his football team is. It's not good enough. It's not good enough? It's the worst thing I've ever seen. They're not playing. They're not trying. They play with no heart, no life. Yeah. It got to the point where Greeny was wishing that Dan Campbell was the head coach, reminding you that the Lions are also bad, but they're at least trying. That's something else I know. The Lions are brutally terrible, but they're trying. They're keeping you around in the fourth quarter for every game, and you can't say that for the Jets. And the worst part is, it's made even worse because the Patriots are for real, and that's something that I know about the NFL now. Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain on ESPN Radio. These are the things I do know about the NFL, which continues to confuse us in recent weeks. But I know that the Patriots are for real. And I know that Ryan Clark, who was on Greeny with Mike Greenberg today, knows who to give the credit for for what this team looks like right now. We've never necessarily said anything negative about Bill Belichick, the coach, but we have said some negative things about Bill Belichick, the GM, and to go out in free agency and be aggressive as he was, but he didn't go out and overpay for guys. He got pieces to build a team, and then he waited at 15 for his quarterback. He didn't try to jump up and get another guy. He waited for the dude that fell to him that was the perfect fit, and now they're coaching around him. Yeah, and that's 
honestly infuriating for anyone in that division. You thought you had a little longer to see a Patriots team that needed time to catch up. But this statistic blew my mind today. The Patriots have a plus 98 scoring margin, which is better through 10 games than five of Belichick's six Super Bowl winning teams through this point. Now, that's just through 10 games. But this is with a rookie quarterback that a lot of people thought was not the guy. But man, is there a better spot to be in than a quarterback getting drafted by Bill Belichick? How confident you feel that you're getting led the right direction. So yeah, I know that the Patriots are contenders. I know that the Patriots are for real. And they are way ahead of schedule for what most people thought. Meanwhile, not in contention, a team we had massive expectations for. And I feel so sorry for this fan base that they skipped past the we're just happy to get a couple wins phase right to we should be winning 10 games, 11 games, and winning it all because that's not happening anytime soon, it looks like. Here's Rex Ryan on the Browns and Baker Mayfield, who is not the guy. I know what an elite quarterback is, and I know what one isn't. Right. Baker Mayfield is not an elite quarterback. It's okay. Baker Mayfield doesn't lose games for you, but he doesn't win games for you either. All right, his rankings are in the 20s in almost every single category. Against man coverage, this was a disaster matchup coming in. Why is it a disaster matchup? Because he doesn't throw well against man coverage. By the way, maybe having Odell might have helped against man coverage, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't there. But he's a guy that throws the ball once you get open. He doesn't throw with, with timing anticipation. That's not Baker Mayfield. He holds the ball too long. That's why he takes too many hits. There's a lot of things. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Baker Mayfield is not the guy, and I have been fighting to believe that he could be for the sake of the Browns, for the sake of Baker, who seems like a good guy who cares a lot, but he's not a good enough quarterback. He's not consistently good across the board. Now, they've got his fifth-year option. They'll have him through next season no matter what, but he's not going to get paid big-time money unless he gets significantly better, and that just doesn't look realistic. I know he's hurt. I know he's playing through injuries. You just have to see it more often from him. The last thing I know about the NFL is that the Titans are underrated and that the rest of their schedule is nice and easy from here on out. So barring a catastrophe, that is a team that is going to be in the mix and is very tough to beat. But they are underrated, which includes me not leaving enough time to tell you a lot about the Titans in this segment. Maybe we'll get back to it later. You can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. College football is back and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Coming up, from what I know to what I still don't know. Are the Chiefs really back? What's going on there? What's up with the Bills offense? We'll talk about it next. Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain solo for the first hour here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Uh, We've been getting a lot of mileage all day on ESPN Radio from that Spanish language call of that Cam touchdown unbelievable stuff. I love it just starting with Superman as he comes out. And it was fun to watch. Man, whatever you think about Cam, and I've never understood people who don't enjoy watching the guy. I think he's a hell of a good time. But whatever you think of him, I don't know that we could have expected him to be inserted into the Panthers lineup right off the top and to contribute the way he did. Two touches, two touchdowns. You can't get much better than that. But because of how dramatic his entrance back to the Panthers was, I think a lot of people maybe believe that what could happen for this team and this quarterback 
is a resurgence, get back into the conversation, playoffs, etc. We're talking about things I do and don't know about the NFL. And what Cam can do for the Panthers is something I just don't know yet. Uh, I do know that his response to getting back with the team gave me a chuckle. I think we have it. Maybe not. Last week I was eating a bowl of cereal. There we go. Let's hear it again. Oh, man. It's making me chuckle now because apparently that sentence is very difficult to play. Uh, it, It had me laughing because, first of all, we've all been wondering just how much Cam wanted to come back and with what team and what's the best fit. And I don't think any of us thought it would be a return to Carolina. And we can play the games of let's hold the team accountable for making the mistake of believing in Sam Darnold, for not believing that Cam was the guy. But he was hurt. There was a new regime. There were decisions that need to be made and made quickly. And they've handled it really well since deciding to bring him back. They have sort of tucked their tail between their legs and admitted that maybe that wasn't the right move. But does this change the entire trajectory of the Panthers? That is something I do not know in the NFL this week. They're still in the playoff race. They're still in the division race. Christian McCaffrey is back looking incredible. The the defense is number two in the league, and they're getting healthier and better every week. The rest of that division lost yesterday. So they're still a half game behind the Saints for a second, one and a half behind the Bucks, who look to be struggling right now. I don't know what Cam can do. I do know that they are interpret- in, in, in anticipating that he's going to be the guy. He's going to get a full week of practice. They asked him after that game, how many plays do you know from the playbook already? And he said two touchdowns worth, which is great. Again, always good for a quote. But I just don't know yet what this Cam is going to look like. Goal line Cam has always been pretty good. Goal line Cam was great yesterday. What does the rest of the field Cam look like? Yet to be seen. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain with you. Uh, telling you what I don't know about the NFL still. And one of them is is the Bucks, Because it was their second loss in a row. It was the second game with two interceptions for Tom Brady. And I want to say that this is just one of those games that you're overlooking your opponent. It's a long season. You're feeling pretty confident. You have some significant injuries to the weapons that Tom Brady likes to work with. And that it's really just about that. And it sounds like... That's what Bart Scott said today on Barton Hunt. Sounds like that's what he thought, too. You know how long everything is away, right? So you got the extra game. You've been seem like you've been playing forever, right? You've been in training camp since August, yeah. right? So now it's September, October, November, about to be the end of November. Yep. And you're looking like, man, we're going to be playing damn near to February if we're going where we're going to go. So, like, you have those laps. See, and Tom Brady doesn't because he's locked in on a whole nother level. He's about legacy. He's about being the best ever. Like, these other guys are just – they just want to get to the fun stuff, right? You know, it's like the fun stuff. Like, you know, like it's like going to practice all the time. The fun stuff isn't practice. The fun stuff is when you actually get to play the game. Yeah, and, and the Bucks might just be waiting for the fun stuff because this is a team that's coming off a Super Bowl win. We know how hard it is to repeat. We know how hard it is to get up for it every week. So maybe just long season – Guys are injured, just didn't didn't have it. And I don't want to take away anything from the Washington football team. Bummer for Chase Young. He's out with ACL. He was gone in the first half with that knee injury. Taylor Heineke, impressive, 256 yards and a touchdown. Fun to watch him find success. But I just, I, I'm not convinced that Washington's defense is fixed, and I'm certainly not in any way convinced that the Bucs are out. But it's worth keeping an eye on as they're starting to look a little bit less super heroic in recent weeks.
Which brings me to a team and a player that looked really super heroic for most of the last couple years in the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are still confounding me. They get a huge win. They look super good. Kelsey's back to being Kelsey. Mahomes is making it look easy again. We're all now cheering and laughing when he gets when he gets a little bit, you know, pretty with it, when he's having some fun with the passes instead of judging him for it because he didn't turn it over because he threw for 406 yards and five touchdowns. Again, no turnovers because he fixed the things that we've been saying all year he needed to work on. The question is, is it the matchup with a Raiders team that has been spiraling? Is it the fact that he was patient finally in the way that we demanded and said he would need to be in order to help this team get back on track? We talked about this, right? It wasn't just about the defense that he was getting. It was the decision-making of Mahomes as a result of those defenses. He was so used to making explosive plays deep down the field that you threw those two deep safeties and he wasn't willing to dink and dug down the field. Their run game still not fixed. They just passed it to their running backs in this game, which was effective. But an actual run game still an issue here. And one of the things that Mina Kimes and company pointed out today on NFL Live that was worth noting is 254 of the 422 passing yards in the game came after the catch. That's the second most by any team in a game this season. The Chiefs' second most since Mahomes joined the team. So you could get those explosive big yardage plays without all of it needing to come in the air. You could take advantage of what the defense is giving you without it needing to be Tyreek Hill go route. So yeah, of course, this looks much better. They are now in sole possession of first place in the AFC West, which you've told me that a couple weeks ago. I would have said, wow, okay. They They figured it out. I just don't know if they fully figured it out. If Mahomes gets confident again, the team gets confident, a little chesty again, do the turnovers return? Do the deep balls, despite not being the right right play against that look, do those return? And they have a brutal schedule coming up. They do not have a single game left on their schedule against a team that currently has a losing record. So we can get excited about the Chiefs. I know Stosh is back there smiling ear to ear about that win over Fitz's team, but I don't know yet that the Chiefs are fixed. I do know that the Chiefs are always going to be dangerous. Because it's Mahomes and it's a team and Andy Reid that's well coached and all that. But I just don't know yet if I'm going to get quite as excited about the Chiefs as some other people are after that game and simply because of their position in the division. I also am not sure about the Bills offense. I'm not going to get too much into it. It can be incredibly impressive and super fun to watch and very explosive. They return to the pre-buy form in this big, huge win against the Jets. But as I mentioned earlier, the Jets are embarrassing. Whatever people do against the Jets doesn't tell you anything. Hey, don't forget to tune into the That's What She Said podcast, hosted by yours truly and fueled by Gatorade. We appreciate their continued support of women's sports journalists and athletes here at ESPN and everywhere. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade's proven formula is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Nobody was home for Cleveland. Mayfield stays down after he threw it. And Mayfield is still down. His helmet on the 48-yard line. He's on his knees. Took another big hit on this play. Baker Mayfield leaving people 
asking a lot of questions, including our next guest. Now, somehow, Dan Rolovsky, who we count on every single week to be a big part of our good take, hot take, today said, still not sure on Baker, which is fascinating to me because Dan's always got strong opinions and he needs to see more. But Charles Robinson, who writes for Yahoo Sports, has written a column today that the Browns need to mull quarterback options beyond Baker Mayfield. And that's one of the big questions in the NFL after the Week 10 slate of games is that was a huge opportunity for him to prove that he deserved the big money, and he didn't do it. What's next for him and the Browns? It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain with you, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Fitz going to join me a little bit here. Don't forget to tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcast. So let's get to Charles Robinson and that Baker story and more NFL talk. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, Yahoo Sports senior NFL reporter Charles Robinson. Charles, people still trying to figure out who Baker is and what he can do. I said at the top of the show, I now know that Baker is not the future for the Browns. I know he's playing through injuries, but to me, he's had enough time now to prove that he can be more than just meh, and I think he's meh. Is it time to move on? Well, as you said, it's about time, and we're in the midst of year four, right? And he's been in the same offense now, back-to-back seasons, and of course, as you said, injuries have played a part in it, but I think that we have seen um, a quarterback who is very much a function of the pieces around him being in place, i.e. no injuries, Um, you know, your best running backs being on the field, your tackle, you know, your best tackles being out there, having uh, essentially all the ideal uh, pieces around you. And you can win with quarterbacks like that. I just don't know if you pay them the $40 million extension, you know, that that's really was supposed to be on the table following this season. It was a one, let's get one more look. We weren't, we're not going to do it after the three years. We'll do it after the fourth. And instead what they've gotten is a piece of information that, you know, he's, he's probably not a put it on my shoulders and carry a team quarterback, which is what a $40 million quarterback is in this league. And as I wrote, you know, last night, I think they have to sit there and go, let's look at all the options out there, whether it's a, high-end elite starter trading for for an Aaron Rodgers type or Deshaun Watson if, you know, depending on what's going on with Deshaun Watson by the offseason or if Russell Wilson becomes available or if it's sort of the Ryan Tannehill option that the the Tennessee Titans uh, took a gamble on back in 2018, a a middle-of-the-road starter who has maybe some upside still left. Uh, Charles Robinson's with me here from Yahoo Sports. I want to move on to another topic, but I want to ask you quickly, where else do we point the finger for how disappointing this Browns team has been, especially with how much, you know, piling on of of, of praise we put on Stefanski for his job last year, coach of the year, and then this is what we get this season? I think Miles Garrett did it for us. I think, you know, pointing at the lack of defensive adjustments in game. Um, As disappointing as the offense has been, there have been a lot of injuries. There have been on defense too, but, there's far too much talent and there are far too many acquisitions this offseason to make that defense better. And it has not only been inconsistent. I mean, there have been times where the back end's been bad, the front end's been bad. It, it appears to lack discipline. So to have Miles Garrett come out and say, hey, we're not making in-game adjustments, uh, to me, that's a clear finger being pointed at the defense coordinator. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Jason Fitz going to join me in just a little bit. Jason not happy, of course, of the results of last night's game. The Raiders taking a beating at the hands of the Chiefs. Uh, all good now, leading the division, everything's fixed, five touchdowns, 400-plus yards from Mahomes, or is that a manifestation of the matchup? 
No, I think, well, I, I think a little bit of this matchup. I think the, the Raiders, people have to understand that so much has happened to that team in the last couple of weeks that I think they're a shell of maybe what they were um, the, the, the first three, four games of the season. But uh, part of it, though, I do think it's a manifestation of Kansas City starting to do things offensively that are familiar to them, but they've gotten there a little bit differently. You're starting to see 9, 10, 11. I think there's a 13-play drive against the Raiders and that just shows you Kansas City starting to take smaller you know the smaller pieces of real estate the defenses are getting giving them and not forcing big play after big play after big play hey you know what score in five or six or seven minutes rather than having to score in you know three and and so to me I think it's just some patience you're starting to see from Kansas City I don't know if the defense you know is gonna it's starting to look better I don't know if it catches up permanently but moving Chris Jones back inside is is a big you know plus for them melvin ingram i I think it's got a chance in a season where we've seen so many teams do 180s one two even three times at this point that kansas city's finally gotten itself turned back in the right direction and it's going to settle down charles robinson yahoo sports senior nfl reporter with me here on spain and fitz um you know it feels like every single week we have the conversation in the last two or three weeks that there's going to be a really good team that loses and is it a fluke or is it to tell us that there are no great teams? What do you think that is? Is it that there's no elite teams? Is it that maybe the week 17 that got added has people, you know, needing to take that mid season uh, brain fart break? I I just don't, I think there's parody this year for whatever reason, you know, I think we're just seeing a lot of, a lot of parody and, and we, I I tweeted about yesterday. I'm like, we're literally going to see, a ridiculous L every week. Some team that should absolutely not lose the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can't lose to the Washington football team. They, you know, Chase Young goes down in game. You're playing your second, your second game, especially coming out of a bye against a backup quarterback. You lost the last one to Trevor Simeon. You cannot lose to Taylor Heineke and, and Washington. But to me, I think it's emblematic of every single team being vulnerable or teams being one-sided, great offenses, lacking defenses. Tampa Bay is a good example. What do we like about Tampa Bay's right. defense right now? Go back right. and look at the last several games. It looks like, uh, even though they returned all those stars, it looks like a legitimate weakness moving forward. Let's talk about tonight's game. We get a good look at the Rams. That signing of Odell looks absolutely serendipitous now it, 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 and ne- much more yeah. necessary than just a luxury because of Wood's injury and being out. What do you expect from him right off the bat and what, what, what do the Rams need from him now that Woods is out? Because it's a different scenario than when we were talking about what he could bring to the team last week. Right. It's, I mean, the thing is, he's, you know, he's not a one-for-one for, one for Robert Woods. They do different things. It's not, it's not like sort of, oh, plug him into Woods' spot, and, you know, he's automatically going to pick up all those targets. And, you know, Woods did a lot of things, even in the run-blocking schemes, um, you know, particularly schematically, some of the shorter routes, you know, that he didn't always get credit for. I you know, so he and Odell play a little bit of a different game. I would expect they're not going to just jam Odell in there and, and throw, you know, 60, 70% of the offensive snaps, Odell will be on the field. I could be wrong in that. But especially when you listen to sort of how the players were talking about after the signing, Matt Stafford was pretty low-key about it. You know, he's like, hey, he's got his opportunity to prove himself to us. Now that's going to be a greater opportunity, the woods being out and someone needing to pick up some slack. But I think first game out, it's it's going to be maybe a little bit more conservative. I know there's been talk about him returning some punts in this game. You know, to me, I'm like, if you get him involved in the special teams game, um, if that's still a plan after Woods' injury, 
And, you know, you can get them three, four targets in this game. That's probably the modest start that you're looking for. But again, with what's going down, we'll see. I mean, they're, they're going to need someone to pick up what is clearly after Cooper cup, um, the, the biggest, you know, piece in that, that biggest chess piece on the board for Matt Stafford. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain solo right now. We're presented by progressive insurance, talking to Charles Robinson on the Goodyear hotline. All right, in a minute or less, and I'm putting you on the spot here. I started the show with what I know and don't know about the NFL. What is something that you learned in Week 10 that you can now say definitively? Uh, I think Seattle's in trouble, and I, I am not convinced that Russell Wilson will not be a, a trade topic again this offseason. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're done with mm-hmm. that. I think what, what happened last um, offseason was real. I think Russ said all the right things when he got back in the door. But I, you know, I think if this is where Seattle's headed right now, and and you know, Russ was clearly not—he looked a, a week early, you know, coming back from um, the the finger injury, and uh, might even want to see Geno Smith. I'm just telling you, I think Seattle this could be something that goes bad for them down the stretch, and there's a lot of talk about maybe Russell Wilson being a trade piece. Wow. Okay, that's juicy. That is a juicy thing that you learned, uh, Charles. Thanks for the time. Always appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it. Charles Robinson, check out his story on Baker Mayfield and the Browns and the decision they have to make on Yahoo Sports. He's a senior NFL reporter over there at Spain and Fitz. He was giving you uh, the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Monday Night Spotlight coming up. We're going to talk to Lindsay Theory about the Rams and their big night tonight against the Niners. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. The rest of Monday night is given over to those gargantuan goliaths of the gridiron. Setting the scene for another Monday night football showdown. That bouncing behemoth ballet known better as professional football. Here's the Monday night spotlight on Spain and Fitz. Joining me to help set up tonight's Niners-Rams clash, ESPN Rams reporter Lindsay Theory, who I'm sure has been absolutely Chilling on the couch, eating popcorn, watching some soaps the last couple days. No big news over there, Lindsay. Nothing to get into over there, except, of course, you know, Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. making their debuts for the Rams tonight. Let's talk about Von. You posted some great video of him running out on the field alongside Aaron Donald and everybody else. So what are you hearing about expectations for his first game with the Rams? Yeah, I mean, it's a very anticipated debut, almost one that has been a little bit lost in the shadows, given the other news of the week. Um, But obviously the Rams brought in Vaughn Miller to help alleviate some of those double and triple teams that Aaron Donald's been facing. Uh, Aaron Donald seems to have a little extra juice as he took the field tonight, no doubt, knowing that he'll have Vaughn Miller lining up, at least for some of those snaps, and they'll get their first look and real action on on how that – Front lines would look with Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and of course Leonard Floyd, who also should be free to get to the quarterback a little bit more tonight. Lindsay uh, Odell taking the field with the return specialist for this team. We had heard he would be involved in that, but also now that we know Robert Woods is out with an ACL tear, that was a shock and a surprise, and and came after the signing of Odell was made clear. Uh, what are now the expectations for his role with this team? Yeah, the the Injury to Robert Woods, obviously, is stunning news. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to have to acclimate, assimilate, get into this offense as quickly as possible. Um, Tonight, they will try to utilize him kind of as much as they can without overwhelming him if there is such a thing. Uh, You know, Sean McVay's offense is one of the most complex in the NFL. Uh, With Odell Beckham Jr., they're going to probably just try 
to keep it his role as simple as possible. Obviously, Matthew Stafford is going to be able to do a lot of one-on-one communicating with him about his expectations on every play. As far as special teams, the Rams have been in search of a solid returner all year. Uh, It's something that they've really had to kind of work with on the fly through injuries and inexperience. So they're hoping that Odell Beckham Jr. can also kind of provide maybe a little bit of stability. It's not another option back there. You know, Lindsay, a lot of the conversation around Odell choosing the Rams was about what a great fit it was. The amount of passes, passing plays, the amount of three wide receiver sets that they use, how often they're empty, all of that stuff. The fact that, you know, Odell's been having this incredible average yard per target that out outdid anybody, even Jefferson, who's been the deep ball guy for the Rams this season. But something that was pointed out in in a story that uh, that you wrote with Nick Wagner for the, for the .com is how much McVay's Rams use pre-snap motion and how little Beckham was asked to do that in Cleveland just eight times before the snap uh, went, went, went in motion. So is the expectation that he will be limited even on the plays he can be out there for or just how they use him? It's really just about how they'll use him. I spoke to somebody actually about that during pregame um, because in writing that story, it was a little bit stunning to see how he has really never been a part of an offense like how Sean McVay runs his. Um, but I was also told, look, We also haven't necessarily had a receiver like Odell in our offense who can win those one-on-one matchups without kind of all the eye candy around him. Um, He can just, frankly, run down the field, beat guys one-on-one, and that's something that they say Sean McVay almost might need to adapt to because it's something he's never had before. Uh, So it's going to be really interesting, especially early on in this partnership, how Sean McVay adapts to Odell how Odell adapts to what Sean McVay also likes to do in his offense and the tendencies there. Monday Night Football tonight, Rams, Niners, Lindsay Theory, ESPN Rams reporter with me here on Spain and Fitz. There's a lot of interesting personalities on this team. Uh, This adds a new (laughs) wrinkle here, both Vaughn and Odell coming in. But we haven't actually heard a ton from Odell this year. Of course, most people would argue that his dad probably didn't single-handedly edit and release a video about him. Maybe there was some machinations behind the scenes, both from Odell and his agent in trying to get him it, him out of Cleveland. But what have you heard about how all of the pieces fit together in the locker room, in the, in, in the film room, all of that stuff? Because I think a lot of the conversation around Odell feels antiquated or maybe just uh, not, not a true fit with who he is now. But you know this team and all the other people much better than we do. Yeah, take a look at the, the history of this team recently under Sean McVay. They have had players who have had, let's just, let's call it big personalities, right? They've had an Adamic and Sue, a Marcus Peters, a Keith Salib, you bring in Jalen Ramsey. There have plenty of big personalities that come in and they've all kind of um, fit into what the Rams are doing. Uh, you know, somebody who perhaps didn't fit in was Deshaun Jackson. He stayed uh, half a season and now he's gone. Uh, so this team is very much about like the culture, everyone buying in and everyone really finding their role and buying into their role and fitting into the culture they've established. So I, they would expect that Odell will fall in line with that, still be yourself, but also know like these guys really are about playing as a team and, and they're not about individuals. Obviously in the NFL, championship is the goal every single year. Careers are short. It takes a toll on your body, but it feels like there is an extra amount of pressure on the Rams this season because they're willing to sell out all those future draft picks. They're willing to make all these trades. And and I wonder if you feel like that trickles down to the players at all, or does that feel like it solely sits on the shoulders of leadership? 
Now, you know, players understand what their leadership is doing. They understand um, as much as their leadership says, this is a way of doing business. We want these guys around here for a long time. Players get it. Super Bowls at SoFi Stadium. Stan Kroenke spent $5 billion to build it, and they need to be there and play in it. Um, whether or not that means they're putting more pressure on themselves, I don't know that. But they all definitely know that the moves that have been made have been made to go to the Super Bowl. Does Cooper Cup seem excited about Odell, despite the fact that Robert Woods is out? Because we already know his his, his the offense runs runs through him. Uh, leads the league in receiving yards, receptions, receiving touchdowns. Uh, does it feel like he thinks you know throw Odell out there, kind of a question mark might might uh, confuse the other team, free him up even more? Yeah, you know, Cooper Cup, like you said, the offense goes through him, and I think that there is an element of now the defense has no idea how Sean McVay is going to use Odell, and obviously that's going to be a little bit of a distraction. Cooper has, if it's really interesting, how open he has been all season, despite leading the NFL in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. He's just been open, so I'm kind of waiting to see when our defense is going to pay more attention to Cooper Cup. Um, and maybe Odell coming is a, is a distraction, but they seem to have been distracted from covering him all season. Last one for you, 49ers. Uh, it's been over a year since they won a game at home. The last time they won at home was week six of the 2020 season versus the Rams. So what is it about this Niners team that could play upset tonight? Yeah, you know, this Niners team always is very physical against the Rams. And sometimes uh, Sean McVay and his offense, they're a little bit too much finesse and not a much, enough hard-nosed football. So knowing these guys, it's probably going to be a pretty big battle in the trenches. Uh, the Niners really like to kind of try and get under Aaron Donald's skin a little bit and, and irritate him up front. So we'll see if they're able to do that at all or if this uh, Rams team is just kind of too, too much business now that you have Donald, Vaughn Miller, and Leonard Floyd. A lot of pride for Shanahan on the line here as the season is not going the way many anticipated. I'm sure he's one of them. Thanks so much for the insight, Lindsay. Enjoy the game. Thanks, Sarah. Lindsay Theory, ESPN Rams reporter, with me here on Spain and Fitz, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Pet protection comes free with auto collision coverage. Visit Progressive.com. As much as we talk about the matchups on the field for Monday Night Football, we also talk about the matchups on the Manning cast, and they have revealed who will be on the show tonight. It already has people guessing at the... the losses that will result because of the Manning cast curse. Tonight you got Al Michaels, Phil Mickelson, Draymond Green, and Phillip Rivers. Most of those people are not at risk, but Draymond Green plays the Nets tomorrow. Uh, So congrats to the Nets on that victory if the Manning cast holds. Fitz is back for Good Take Hot Take next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Chicago Red Stars without... Their Olympic midfielder, Julie Ertz. Their Olympic goaltender, Alyssa Nair. Their Olympic defender, Casey Kruger. Their MVP candidate, Mal Pugh, who was out for COVID protocols. Their second best scorer, Kalia Watt, who got injured in the first half and had to go out and hopefully will be back for the championship game. Kayla Sharples and others all out. And guess what they did anyway? They took out the number one seeded shield winning Portland Thorns in the semis. And they advanced to Louisville for the title game on Saturday at Bits. I blame ownership. (laughs) 
So walk me through like this celebration moment for you because we, yeah. I, I I don't even know what it's like to celebrate. Get one time in my life as an adult, I remember getting to a championship game as a fan, right? So what you know? As wow, a, that's so sad. Oh, no, like that oh is, my god, that is that is one. Time. That's true. Yeah, I mean the one Raiders oh, Super Bowl. No. I, I've never had another 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 <laughs> fan championship. Uh, so what what's the moment like for you knowing that you know the team that you're a, a part of the ownership group on is going yeah. to that that final like how do you celebrate that first of all i just that explains so much about us yeah. spain yeah. fits that's our show by the way mm-hmm. that's what you're listening to uh i have had one uh, other than the sky a couple years ago when i was first getting into the sky they lost in the title game but they won this year so it's all raced but the bears super bowl in 2007 is the only time my team has made a championship and lost wow so every time my team has gone all the way i've gotten to celebrate all the blackhawks the the cubs the the bulls in the 90s the sky so uh fingers crossed on saturday but first of all it's really cool to get to say we you know because people are always like oh we what are you, are you playing no i'm not playing but i'm one of the owners so then it's like Ha-ha. um i wanted to go to portland for the game uh yesterday but i had this big giant friendsgiving of 25 people that we had committed to in michigan 10th anniversary of our big friendsgiving um and when they said it was in Portland, I was like, I can't, I can't make it. So ended up at a watch party um, with the Hooligans FC crew up in uh, in Chicago, a little bit north of Chicago at our public house. And it was a blast. We had all the chants going from the local 134 crew. We had, you know, victory shots. We had halftime shots. It was, it was a celebration. And I will admit, and you would definitely have gotten mad at me if you were there for this, Fitz. When the, when the Red Stars went up 2-0, I booked my flight. Oh. And I was really nervous. And then I was telling myself, you don't believe in jinxes. Like, you have no control over what's going to happen in this game. It's fine. If the if the flights, you know, book up and you can't go, you're going to be a lot more mad about that than, like, worrying about. So there was no jinx. It all worked out. I am I am shook because what I just realized is that I'm so used to in life saying you didn't have to book it early you can just wait and ownership will wait that's you so like that that's that's where it changes uh, that's yeah. amazing so now what's the what's the watch party situation going to be like then for the championship like how well how there does... are going to be watch parties in Chicago but Louisville's just a little bit over a four hour drive so there are a lot of fans going down there. I took, I changed my around the horn schedule. I'm flying out uh, Friday afternoon to Louisville. I'm going to do our show from my hotel with the, the benefits of technology and then wake up the next morning. It's a 12 Eastern kickoff, go to the game, celebrate the victory. Got an hour or so to, you know, pop the bottles on the field and run around like a crazy person. Then I got to get back on a flight back to Chicago because it's Brad's birthday party that night. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm cutting it close. There It'll are, be a little late. There, now we've gotten to the most important question through all of this. So I've got some friends that play in an adult kick kickball league right yes and so of course they, you do realize i was a two-time california state champion in kickball oh my god well i've got some friends <laughs> that are now going to start recruiting you to play in the league perfect so they uh they worked their tails off for many years and this year they finally won the club waka connecticut nice. championship right waka is the best so they win the club waka connecticut championship and only to find out that our buddy spencer uh, the captain of the team is the only person that gets a trophy nobody else gets a trophy wow which seems a little weird to me because everybody else played but spencer Spencer seems to be convinced he's the only one that gets a trophy. When you are part of the ownership group, does the league give everybody a trophy if you win? Or does it like just one trophy that goes in the facility and then you have to share it? Like, how does that work? 
It's a fair question. I haven't asked those questions, Fitz. I, again, I don't believe in jinxes, but I also don't really want to ask about trophies and rings before the victory has been secured. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be given anything other than the joy of feeling great about my team getting a W and feeling great about the ladies pulling through. Well, I, for one... And a party, and you know that's better that than a ring or a trophy for me. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I, I, for one, I don't care if we have to go get you something made. We're going to get you a trophy. Like, we're going to get you a trophy. Yeah, we'll get hey, something. this is another funny thing. It's Spain and Fitz, by the way. Sarah Spain and Jason Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, we were talking with some friends about Brad's upcoming birthday. It was actually yesterday, but other friends have birthdays around the same time. And we were joking about, like, one of our friends really wants to wear a fancy suit with a big bow tie. And we were like, all right, let's just do black tie. Like, Ooh, for no good oh, reason. Yeah. Like, we're not even going somewhere fancy. We're going to a cocktail bar. But everybody just grab something from your closet that maybe you bought for something last year that didn't happen. Like, a wedding or a gala or something. And so, when, not if, when the Red Stars win and I hop back on a flight... All of my celebration photos will be in a tux and a gown like a true owner. Like, I feel like I will make sure that I have a monocle. Oh, yeah. Um, like, it, all the pictures are going to look like I flew home to celebrate with my millionaire friends at a private gala. You're inspiring me now. <laughs> like, I almost feel like I need to wear a tux on my Saturday shows just to, just to you know. Yeah, part, bring that. Know. Bring that good juju when for you, me. When you're a co-host of a champion, does mm. that make you by default <laughs> a champion? I feel like... Maybe uh, look, there are no coattails I will not ride to success. Sarah. That's so, so true. Like that, that, at the end of the day, I'll do whatever it takes. Listen, what I will tell people is that the game is on CBS. So if you get the main channels, you can watch it. It's also on Paramount Plus, streaming all over the country. It's like five ninety nine a month or something like that. So you know, put down the six or eight bucks. You could watch it live on Saturday internationally. If you're listening to us somewhere else, you could watch it on Twitch. So there's no excuse on Saturday at 12 Eastern time to not turn on CBS and root for the Chicago Red Stars to win it all. We have made a number of finals and we have never won. We are the longest running playoff winners. We have made the playoffs six straight years, seven if you count last year's Challenge Cup, which I do, which is the only team in the history of the league to do that. So Fitz, we've earned it. All you know is championships. That's what I'm hearing about. Like I, yeah. I saw a friend. Uh, I saw a friend uh, of a friend yesterday that had a little baby, and the baby uh, was wearing a. You know, like uh, sometimes they have to wear the head gear to protect yeah. their soft heads. Was it, it Al Duncan's it, uh, baby? No, no, it was okay. not. But it was uh, a friend, and it was a Georgia football. Actually, kind of funny. It wasn't Whoa. else, but yeah. it was a Georgia <laughs> football. And I was like, oh my god, such a beautiful baby. How old? And uh, they said like three months. And I was like, man, that baby's never seen a Georgia football loss. And like that's where you are as a Red Star. <laughs> owner like you just all you know is championships all i know is and again i blame the owners even though they've had great success before i arrived (laughs) let's just say when they win it all saturday i will give myself and all of the other new chicago red stars owners all the credit in the world for giving them that final push that they needed to take it i'm so gonna get myself a trophy uh we were supposed to talk some college football here but i got real excited about my team and a championship on saturday so we'll talk about that in a little bit first we got to talk about overreactions to this week of the nfl for instance, is Cam going to lead the Panthers to the playoffs? Two touches, two touchdowns. We'll talk about it next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Stafford threw in his direction, but looked like something went wrong. Maybe Odell stopped short. Matt didn't think he was running where he was going, but uh, the memes and the gifts are out in full force of uh, Baker watching, of you know Peyton and Eli talking about it on the Manning cast and with the history that uh, 
Odell and Eli have, but uh, we'll keep you updated. Still scoreless in that Rams-Niners game. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Guest join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Uh, we wanted to talk about some of the overreactions. Dan Graziano always does a great job, our ESPN staff writer, NFL guy, talking about how people watch Sunday's games and then make bold proclamations, kind of like I did at the start of the show, the things I know and don't know about the NFL. Well, Week 10 gave us some doozies and got some people talking, so he asks, is this an overreaction or not? And we'll answer. So, Mac Jones has the Offensive Rookie of the Year award locked up. He threw three touchdown passes yesterday, six for seven for 80 yards and a touchdown on third downs alone. And I mentioned this earlier, Fitz, this statistic that I just couldn't believe. The Patriots plus 98 scoring margin is better through the first 10 games than five of Belichick's six Super Bowl winning teams through this point. This team has it figured out. So overreaction to say that Mac Jones is is the front runner here is going to win it? No, I think that's probably pretty fair. What's interesting is that I, you could make an argument for Jamar Chase, right? But at the end of the day, three of the last four offensive rookies of the year have been quarterbacks. Yep. So I have a hard time thinking that that's going to be different this year. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, because of the bias we have, not bias, but because of the leaning we have in the way that we view quarterbacks and everything they do, kind of like the most years it seems to go, the Heisman seems to go to a quarterback. feels like most years the rookie of the year is uh, likely going to fall to a quarterback. Yeah, and I think you also see that we're going to be watching Mac Jones and the Patriots probably a little closer than the Bengals down the stretch as the Bengals are starting to fade. In my opinion, they never were super for real. Again, I watched them lose to my Bears, and I always kept that in the back of my mind as people were getting really high about them. Um, so Jamar Chase might not have as much of an ability to make an impression if his team isn't as succeeding as much as as Mac Jones. Uh, Cam Newton will lead the Panthers to the playoffs. Fitz, earlier in the show, and I did what I know and what I don't know. I said I know that Cam Newton was super fun to watch in his first game back with the Panthers in a couple years. I know that what he said about how he was eating a bowl of cereal last week and now he's out playing football gave me a chuckle. But I don't know that this means a season-changing pivot for the Panthers. Obviously, McCaffrey being McCaffrey is huge. They're still in the hunt. But I don't know that we can say for sure that this is going to be any big difference because we need to see Newton on the entire field, not just in the red zone. Yeah, I think a couple of things here. One, you're right. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a stretch for me. I think that might be an overreaction. I mean, right now... Carolina, though, would be the seventh, uh, seventh seed. Uh, and you look at their next couple of games, there's a lot of winnable football ahead of them. I think the reason that the Panthers might find themselves in the playoff conversation is just because the bottom of the NFC, we keep talking about how bad the AFC is. Well, if the playoffs were to start today, the Panthers at 5-5 five and five would be the seventh seed. No other team is even 500 at that point in the conversation. So it becomes really difficult to find out who would replace them. So I think they might actually have a shot. But that's not because they're actually good. So, And uh, there is also this twist of we've turned this into Cam led them to a huge win yesterday. But let's also remember they were playing a decimated Cardinals team. I'd like to see how it moves forward over the next few weeks before I decide that I'm comfortable with Carolina. Uh, do you want to hear a crazy that I heard today? Yes. Try to take a guess at the NFC team that has gone the longest number of weeks without a loss. Oh, gosh. I, I don't know. The longest number of weeks without a loss? May, uh -huh. The Eagles, maybe? No, no, that would be the Lions oh. uh, because the Lions <laughs> tied yesterday and had a bye the week before. That's and crazy. There isn't a single NFC team that has not taken a loss at least once in the last two weeks. That is that's insane to me. That's yeah. That shows you how in weird fact, it is. 
every single team in the NFC is either on a one week loss or one week losing or one week winning streak, except for the Bucks and Saints who have lost twice, the Lions who are at zero because they tied, and the Bears who have lost four straight. Mm. I mean, mm. wow, that is that's an insane stat. I feel bad right now when you think about the standings for the Vikings because right now they'd sit at the eight seed and they're four and five. Think about the couple of games that they lost yeah. in the wildest uh-huh. of fashions and realize that what a difference even one of those would have made. Vikings. Yeah, very, very Vikings. Vikings. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, trying to figure out the overreactions to week 10 or if they are appropriate reactions. Um, talked about this earlier. I'd love your take. Baker Mayfield, not the Browns' long-term answer at quarterback. Is this an overreaction? No. <sighs> Hmm. This is so tough for me. I I think it's an overreaction, but I also think that we're overstating who he needs to be, if that makes any sense. Like, I think Baker Mayfield, to me, is not uh, not going to be a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. So if we think that he's the top-ten quarterback and that's what he has to be to be the long-term answer, I don't think that's true. But realistically, the way that the Browns have built their offense, I mean, the biggest reason that they're getting crushed is – they don't have the running backs that they need in. They, they don't have the guys that they, the way they built this offense. So to me, I still think Baker's pretty good and pretty good is better than going back into the draft and taking the chance that you're going to have pretty bad. So I think, you know, if he were, if, if, if they were okay with just slightly above average, he could be, he could be the long-term answer. That was a very hedged bet response yeah, to that. Yeah, you really did. You, you, so, yeah, you no, he's Lossky'd. not the long-term. He's not, he's not the long-term. That you know, he's not the long-term. That's it. I'm done. He's not <laughs> yeah. the long-term answer. Get rid of him and go back into the draft and see what else you can get. I'm he's done with Baker Mayfield. equivocating this Baker Mayfield situation is tough. Um, I will say that this reminds me of the Cutler situation. Yes, I believe he's not the future. He doesn't deserve the big-time money. But if I were a Browns fan, I would ask who. Because the question is not just, is this the guy? It's who is going to then be the guy? Is it is it via free agency? Is it maybe Russell Wilson if he's available? Is it Aaron Rodgers making a push for that? Is it the draft right? You need to figure out what your plan is because it's not as simple as just saying it's not Baker. You then have to fill that spot with somebody that you think will be better. Um, and that's the reason that things are such a jumble but, for the Browns right now. That's also, by the way, the same exact conversation that's been happening every year for Raiders fans. The number yeah. of people that every year are like, mm-hmm. I'm out on Derek Carr. He's just not good enough. And it's like, cool. You remember Jamarcus Russell? I'm just yeah, curious. Who else you want? Who are we getting? Yeah. All right, two more. Because I, I want to also talk Aaron Rodgers, but I'm going to save that for the next segment. I want to ask you these two last ones from Graziano's great story, which you can find on .com, the overreactions. Chiefs' problems are solved. We talked about this a little, but this is uh, relating to your your Raiders. You can save the Raiders side of the conversation for next segment or do it here. Uh, did the Chiefs solve their problems here, no, or is this about the matchup? They didn't solve their problems. The, the Raiders came in with a terrible game plan. I think that, that's huge here. But we did see the most patient version of Patrick Mahomes that we've seen this year. And one thing that is really interesting, if you go back and watch it, I watched more of the game this morning when I, I didn't want to vomit on myself. And when you go back and watch it again, one thing that the Chiefs did that I thought was really smart is they essentially let the Raiders' uh, defensive line get upfield, and then they just dunked it right over the heads of everybody. So it was almost like they were running screens, but they were doing it in uh, the context of their offense, which is why they had, I think, 255 yards after the catch receiving. So a a really smart game plan for the Chiefs to basically say, if everybody's going to play that far back, we will find a way to be patient. It was the, the most patient and controlled game we've seen from Mahomes in over a year. So I think we did see a big step forward, but I also would like to see how that actually plays against a defense that comes in with a competent game plan. Yeah, completely agree with you on the Chiefs. I think a lot has gotten better, but the idea that that game alone told us what we needed to know for me is not the case. I still need to see Mahomes be that patient 
week over week, turn the ball over fewer times like he did this week, not at all, um, than, than earlier in the season. All of that stuff is still is still necessary. Uh, and I think the defense still hasn't been solved against a team that's got their you-know-what together, which the Raiders are, are struggling right now for, for a lot of good reasons. All right, last one. The Bucks aren't going to win the NFC, let alone the Super Bowl. Is that an overreaction after two losses, Tom Brady with two picks in each? Yeah, I think that's an overreaction. I mean, my God, last year it was Tom Brady doesn't even know what down it is. He must have Alzheimer's. Like, uh, the the <laughs> amount of overreaction to everything, I'll count out Tom Brady when he's no longer mathematically eligible to be a playoff quarterback. At that point, I'll tip the hat and say fine. But at the end of the day, it's about the rest of the NFC. Do we really trust uh, for example, the Cowboys to beat uh, to beat Tom Brady. I'm not sure. I, I think the Cowboys are every bit as talented, but I don't know that I trust their coaching staff in that situation. And uh, I always lean on coaches and quarterbacks in playoff games. So no, I, I think it's overreaction to call them out. Yeah, there were a lot of injured big time weapons for yeah. that team, and there are flaws on every team that looks great this season. No one has been totally infallible, so the Bucks not being perfect doesn't make me think any less that they have an opportunity to be great. Uh, real quick. Niners up 14-0. Another interception for Stafford. This time looks like it was the receiver's fault, although you could say that last time if Odell really stopped on his route. But this looks like uh, went off the hands, uh, squirted out right into the hands of a waiting Niners defender, and they are up now two scores in that Monday Night Football game. God we'll doesn't want me to have money. I guess, oh, wow, you put some money down? I mean, Oops, God does not want me to have money. Oops, a daisy. Uh, we're brought to you by Goodyear, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear, more driven. Coming up, fits on the Raiders. Aaron Rodgers' emotional win and whether it actually told us anything or if people are inserting their own feelings into that conversation. We'll get into it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. A wolf of a start for the Rams here. So much excitement around Odell and Von Miller, but they're down 14-0 to a Niners team that, like I said, hasn't won since at home since week six of last season. So they're trying to drop a win at Levi Stadium. Rams, uh, plenty of time to come back, but a rough start so far. Spain and Fitz, uh, guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. If your pet is hurt in a car accident, Progressive pays up to $1,000 in bed expenses with free pet coverage. Visit Progressive.com. I want to quickly talk about Aaron Rodgers. I was listening to a lot of shows today, and people reacted very strongly to this, which is something he said to Rob Domovsky after the win against Seattle. Aaron, why were you misty-eyed after a game in the middle of November? You know, I just don't take these things for granted. Uh, walking off the field as a winner, you know, it's fun beating uh, beating that squad. We've had some battles over the years, but walking, I think just walking out with Preston, who I have so much love and appreciation for, and then hearing that type of response from the crowd was uh, just a little extra special tonight. So I heard Leroy Butler on a show saying Packers great saying that he's going to be gone, that the Packers don't want to get behind, they need to replace him and not be you know, playing with a washed QB who's past his prime. I heard Mike Greenberg say that the emotion from Rodgers at the end told you that he would stay because you remember the people who were around you in the tough times and the criticism he got after it was revealed he wasn't vaccinated and all of the statements he made on Pat McAfee's show and the way the team and the fan base rallied around him after that win told you what you needed to know and that he was going to come back for that. Is that how you read that situation, Fitz? No, not at all. I mean, like, I I certainly got emotional, for example, a couple of times. When I knew that the end of my touring time was coming, there were several shows that I stood out on the ed- edge of the stage and just looked out and got emotional because you work your whole life in something and you got buddies that you're on stage with that you know you're not going to see again. And there's just moments in life that you miss. I, I think 
right now what we're seeing is that Aaron Rodgers is something we already know. He's an emotional dude. So, like, he gets emotional when he's not supported. He gets emotional when he is supported. I, I think there has to be some level of uh, he wears his emotions on his sleeve a little bit. But I think trying to take any of that emotion and turn it into an indication of what he's going to do next – we can't do that without the full context because you can be emotional because you're leaving or emotional because it means so much to you that you want to stay. Completely agree. That, that, that's how I read it was it, the emotion could be, I'm going to miss this. The emotion could be relief that I'm getting a positive response and that we won this game because I've gone through a lot the last week or so self-induced, but still the relief could be, or, or sorry, the tears could be, you know, I better soak up every one of these home wins because I'm for sure out of here, right? Yep. There's so many ways you could read it. Uh, I, I'm, I was curious your take on that because I think if we've learned anything the last couple of weeks, it's that we don't know what the hell Aaron Rodgers is thinking, and we don't know much about him. This is a guy that has lied about the vaccination, who espoused a ton of ideas that I never would have associated with him until maybe a year, year and a half ago when he started to, you know, say some of the stuff that had me wondering if if he was his brain had been eaten by the internet. Um, but yeah, I don't think I, I don't think we can read Aaron Rodgers. Um, we can't read the Raiders either. And I need to get this in before the show is over, Fitz, because I was thinking about this as I prepped for the show today. I was getting excited. I was making uh, some sound about the Red Stars winning and the Chiefs and all the touchdown passes. And I was thinking, man, we joked about this at the beginning of the year that you know Fitz gets so used to his Raiders starting off hot and then the downward spiral to the end of the season, another disappointment. Are you worried that that's what we're watching right now, or is this? about the Gruden, Henry Rugg, substitute coach, all the stuff that they're going to be able to right the ship and get back on track. I think every fan knows every year, the Sunday or Monday or Thursday when you're watching your team and you just realize, whether you want to re realize it or not, that it's done. The season's done. And that happens for a lot of lucky fans in the playoffs when you realize that, hey, that game's coming to an end. It happens for a lot of unlucky fans early in the season when you realize that, hey, this team isn't better than I hoped they would be. And for me, I went into, as you well know, uh, the game really confident in this matchup. And watching Gus Bradley and the Raiders defense that has been pretty good this year come out with just an awful game plan and, and watching the inability for guys to get going and watching an offense that, again, looked like it was stuck in the mud. All I kept thinking was at some point you just realize that as human beings, they're just – they're, they're, they can't they can't pull they can't find the next gear is the best way to say it and that's what I felt watching it it is that annual time and it happens to me once a year where I have to turn a game off before it gets to the end because you know the end is inevitable and you just can't watch it anymore it's a gut wrenching feeling for mm. every mega fan and that's what last night was the Raiders future is still in front of them for the rest of the season there's no doubt about it they have the Bengals coming up after that they have the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day and after the mini buy they have the Washington football team and I'm certain anybody could say hey this team can get hot and if they get hot you never know and that's fair you do never know but at the end of the day, you do know how the team's playing right now, and it looks like this team is playing absolutely lost. And it doesn't mean guys don't care. It doesn't mean they don't want to win. It just means that they don't look cohesive anymore. It doesn't look like they know what they're trying to accomplish on the field anymore. Everybody looks like everything is difficult. And when that happens, I've never seen in the last decade the Raiders been able to break out of this mold. So it, it that was it for me. It was the nail in the coffin Sunday. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I've been wrong plenty of times about this team this year, but uh, I, there there is that moment where you just feel you can feel sort of the cloud over the organization. So Fitz, I have to ask: Did you sit down before this streak started? Because if I remember correctly, you were feeling pretty confident about the Raiders, 
And then there was a brief rain delay when you were supposed to be hosting the show simultaneously with them being on Monday Night Football, and you sat in your car on the way home during the game. Yeah, and and so that that I caused all of this, right? Like, there's no right. doubt about this. That's me sitting, what I'm implying. Yeah, me sitting. Or is it inferring? Start, right, right. Either way, uh, I I definitely caused this, but I was thinking about it. There is one common thread, and this is the ownership I'll take for the rest of the year. This is the commitment I will make to my beloved Raiders. There's one common thread. I have posted fit sips uh, most Sundays <laughs> where I sip on Woodson whiskey, Charles Woodson's uh, delightfully tasty whiskey, while I give five very general and incredibly obvious observations from Sunday. So it'll be like Jets-Bills, big matchup. And I always put one Raiders thing in there. And I have done it virtually every week. There have been four weeks this season that I have not – either I have done fit sips without Woodson whiskey, had to use a different kind of whiskey. Wow. Or I have not had – of Fit Sips posted at all. Those are the four times that the Raiders wow, lost. Wow, Fitz. That's true. So, you know, and I should have known. I, it really occurred to me when we were together in Vegas because I was at the little Bud Light Garden in between the Luxor and the Mandalay, and I was like, I don't have any Woodson whiskey here, and I don't know. They sell it somewhere in the Mandalay, but I didn't know where to go, so I just grabbed regular whiskey from another brand while I walked around, and I posted my Fit Sips, and I'm like, that's fine. And then I realized, wait a second. They just lost that game. Except so you no know, and, and the Monday man. night game, we were working. I couldn't do fit sips before a Monday night game before work. So that's the commitment I will make. Woodson Whiskey and I will we'll, we'll try and right the ship on Sunday. And if things happen the right way there, things are going to get really weird for me for the next uh, 10 weeks or so, eight weeks or so. I'm, I'm sorry, they're going to start to get weird? That's fair. That so fair you've point. been totally normal up to this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. I mean, yes, I think I've been a fairly reasonable fan throughout the course of all of this, right? Not as bad as you could be. I will say this much. I know that my season's over. My team has lost four in a row. They're not a very good team. They're not very well coached, and things just aren't looking very good. But I am watching to watch Justin Fields. And I will say to anyone who's hopping in my menchies, making comments about preseason decisions or sacks taken or otherwise, keep my quarterback's name out your mouth unless you're going to watch the games. There are a lot of things that he still needs to work on, but, oh, boy, if you don't think Justin Fields is going to be a fantastic quarterback, then, in my opinion, you are not watching the games because the highlights of what he does well are unbelievable. Just got to get the kids some more reps. That's what I got to say about my trash team, who did not take a loss this week because so, they were on a bye. So much hope. So much, <laughs> so much hope. hope. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.